Hello, and welcome to Birth of Family Church Podcast. We trust that you'll find an encouraging word to strengthen your walk with the Lord. And if you're visiting the area, or if you're looking for a good church home, come check us out at birthedfamilychurch.org. There you can find our location and service times. Thanks again for tuning in. God bless. Good morning. How are we doing this morning? It's good to have you here at prayer school. Hi, I'm Pastor Bruce. Me and my dog, you can't see him, but he's down here behind the curtain. Uh, we're, we're glad that you're watching. Oh, it's a nice crisp day here in Colorado. We even had some snow flurries, which uh, we've been looking forward to because it is the Christmas season. And we've had an unusual Indian summer where we've had a lot of warm weather coming into September, October, November, and also into December. We're finally getting freezing temperatures, and we like it that way. Well, praise the Lord. Let's get our Bibles out. Let's get them open. That's our text for everything that we do here at Birthed Family Church. Uh, we want God to speak to us. How many of you know that he's smarter than we are? And so when we submit to his book and to his words, and I'm talking primarily in the epistles, those are the letters that were written to the church. You see, all scripture is written about us, but in the epistles it's speaking directly to us. You see, the audience in the letters written to the church are written to those that have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. They didn't have that in the Old Testament. So it's speaking to born-again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking believers, and is pertinent to us, is talking directly to us, and it really identifies three vital truths that you and I need to embrace and walk in the light of. Number one, the epistles tell us who we have become in Christ. You see, the Gospels can't do that. Everything in the Gospels is an outside view from the sense realm presenting Jesus Christ to the world. In the epistles, it's more about who we are that can't be seen. We are new creatures. We are the children of God. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. And so the epistles re uh, identify that and reveal that to us. Next, it tells us what we've been given. You see, we've have entered into a living covenant with God through Jesus Christ, and he's bestowed the blessings of God upon us, and we have to discover them and then go ahead and claim them. And then number three, the epistles uh, identify what you and I can do in terms of representing Jesus Christ on the earth. Glory to God. And so get the Bible out, maybe even a notepad and a writing device, and let's trust the Lord for wisdom this morning. I know I need it. Let's go ahead and claim it now. Father, we thank you for this opportunity. We choose as an act of our will to come under the sound of your voice. We believe that the Bible is your book. You authored it. But you've also breathed your life into it. Spiritual life. And as we read it, and as we choose to believe it, and as we allow the, the Bible to influence our decision-making, I thank you that your life is released into our very environment, 
and that we are blessed. We thank you for eyes to see. Holy One, we know you're in us. You're our teacher and our guide. We claim that we have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We thank you for it now. We got it. Amen. All right. This is uh, installment number 15. We've been talking about the individual prayer of the prayer of commitment or committing or giving our worries, our cares, our concerns, those things that stress us out to the Lord. And there's really four ingredients to this, or could we say steps. And we've been using Philippians chapter 4 really as an outline to, to follow, to give the worries that we seem to pick up and give them to the Lord. Take them away from ourselves and give them to the Lord. So over here in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it gives us the very first step. It tells us that we're not to worry about anything, but in everything that we are loaded and burdened down with, give it to the Lord in prayer. And so once we identify that which is causing us stress and a burden and a yoke of concern, then we go and we get scripture and we give that care to the Lord in scripture. Understand that prayer is the avenue that takes it off of us, us trying to figure it out, us trying to work it out, us trying to, you know, fix whatever we perceive to be broke. Prayer gives it to the Lord and gives him essentially permission to represent us in that need. Now, understand that many people have this idea that prayer is, is just as long as we pray, then God is going to respond to us. And we have to understand that prayer has to be prayed a certain way. And whenever a, a believer has a need, many times we're prone just to ask the Lord to meet a need. Uh, let's say I have a financial need. Well, we know that God loves us. We know that he's concerned about our needs. And certainly he wants to supply that need. So many times we just bypass the word of God and we just lift up our need, our concern. Uh, we just give him what we desire. And that's bypassing God's way of doing things. Understand that God does not respond to our needs. Now, let me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to say that a couple of times because that's not what we've been taught as we were brought up in the local church. God isn't moved by our needs of our day. And what I mean by that is if all of a sudden a need pops up in my life and we're burdened down with it and we're thinking, well, because he loves me, he's going to respond to me to meet this need. Well, yes and no. Understand that God isn't responding to our needs. What he did 2,000 years ago, he at that point responded to our need and gave us Jesus. Now, I, you're there in Philippians 4. I want you to go on over to 2 Peter. And this verse is very powerful. And it will begin to help us to understand what prayer is really about. 
is not shaking God and saying, okay, you got to help me here. You got to help me here. No, that's the wrong depiction of prayer. Going over here to 2 Peter, and I'm in chapter 1. I'm in the King James Version. And uh, look at verse 3. It says, according as his divine power. Now, understand that the, 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 <laughs> the divine power that God has released in our behalf has been the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, he became a fallen being as he took our place. And through resurrection, he defeated everything that was lodged against us through the God of this world, the devil, and his kingdom. So it says that according to his divine power, hath, H-A-T-H, or we would say it in our common vernacular, has, and understand that that's a, uh, I want to say verb, I'm not sure what it is, but you know what I'm saying. It's, it's, a, it's something that God has done, meaning he's not doing it today when I have a need. He did it 2,000 years ago when he released his exceeding great power to raise Jesus from the dead. Are you seeing that? Too many times as human beings, we get so locked up in this realm of time. And God doesn't live in the realm of time. He, he is, right now, he's in the past. Right now, he's in the present. And right now, he's in the future. You see, he has the ability, being God, to be in this realm of time that we call it. He has the ability to be anywhere in that period of time. So, notice it's talking about what God has already done. We call that the past tense reality of God's word. And really, once a believer starts living in that realm, prayer becomes so easy. Because you just go to the word of God and identify what he's already done for us, and then you just receive it as an act of faith. You access that grace. So check this out. It says that according to his divine power, has he already given us now, what has God already given us through Jesus Christ? He's given us all things. How many things? All things that what? That pertain unto life and godliness. So understand that anything that's attached to God's life and his goodness has already been procured or received and appropriated for you and I through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So when I go to prayer, I'm not asking God to consider to give me something. Did you hear what I said? <laughs> These are all things that we have to relearn. You see, God's not on the throne deciding which prayers to respond to. And he's certainly not just giving us things just because we need it or we want it or we desire it. No, he's giving us those things that he's already received for us 2,000 years ago. Prayer is just me receiving what he's already given. Salvation is a wonderful example of that. 
when you and I look at salvation, when I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior on May 4th, 1977, he didn't, he didn't climb up on the cross that night. When I called upon the name of the Lord to be saved, he, he didn't go through the act of dying for me, going to hell for me. No, I was just receiving what he did 2,000 years ago. So salvation was already waiting for me as far as God was concerned. He had already given it to me through Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. He was just waiting for me to receive that gift. And that's a very accurate depiction of what prayer is. Prayer is receiving what God has done through Jesus Christ. And that's why we, when we give our cares to the Lord, that's why we need to have a scripture. Because that reveals what he has already given. Remember, he's giving us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Those things are substantiated from scripture. So here I have a financial need, and yes, God wants to meet that need. That's why he sent Jesus to the cross. He already met the need I have today, yesterday. Are you? <laughs> Hallelujah. I mean, when you go to the grocery store, and you, you know, <laughs> this is hilarious. I like ramen noodles. You, you know those little three-ounce packets that has the noodles wrapped in it, and it's got the little tinfoil uh, little flavor packet, so to speak. Well, I like them. I uh, thank goodness for ramen noodles because that's what got my son through uh, Rama Bible Training Center. That he lived on those. You didn't have a lot of money when you were a Bible student. Well, anyway, I still like ramen noodles, and I can't find them on the shelves at Walmart. And so I decided, well, you know, I'm going to go and find it on <laughs> Amazon. I went to Amazon and found out that the same box of, of, <laughs> of these ramen noodles that I used to be able to buy for $1.50 are now $9 on Amazon. So there's some kind of a conspiracy going on because I know that one of those little uh, bags isn't worth a buck. But anyway, uh, hilarious, right? So when I'm at the grocery store and I reach for that can of soup that's already on the shelf, how many of you know that now the grocery store knows what I need? Oh, Bruce needs a can of soup. I'll go get it for him. No, they already put it on the shelf anticipating that I was going to come and get it someday. And that's exactly what God has already done. This Bible in the epistles is showing us all the things that are on the shelf that Jesus has provided for, that which he died and was resurrected to make available to us. Now it's up to us to take it off the shelf, and that's the purpose of prayer. Prayer is a point of contact that you see that God has provided you something through the Word of God, and so you lift up the Word of God in prayer, and then he goes, okay, he's going to take, he's going to receive what I already provided for him, and he's not even considering whether or not to give it to you. It automatically is now yours as you receive it by faith. I'm getting kind of excited here this morning. But anyway, you locate your need. You go to Scripture. 
You find the Word of God that says it's on the shelf for you. It's already been purchased for you. And then you lift that up to Him and you receive it by faith. You give Him your care and your worry and you receive from Him what the Word says is already yours. You do it by faith. Now, you believe two things when you make that transaction. Number one, you believe He heard you when you prayed. And number two, you believe you have what you asked for in prayer. Now, when you believe that, there should be and there will be excitement that will rise up from the part of you that's believing. Your mind still might be in a fog. Your mind has nothing to do with it. Feelings have nothing to do with it. Uh, logic, reasoning, knowledge, experience has nothing to do with it because those are all functions of your human mind, your brain. But we're receiving this with our heart. We're, <clears throat> excuse me, we're receiving this by faith because he that believeth <clears throat> will enter into a place of rest. And it has to start down here before it can come up and begin washing our brain with that peace. So understand that when you pray and as you're believing, you automatically become thankful. It says to give our cares to the Lord through prayer with thanksgiving you see thanksgiving is a byproduct of believing prayer hallelujah and so it's wonderful that we can get to a place of thankfulness that pulls us out of that bondage of being worrisome and stressed out and many times it splashes over into other areas of our life we get tense, we get short, we get impatient, we're, we're, we have difficulty sleeping. But when we find out what prayer produces, believing prayer, I'm not talking about hoping prayer, hope it comes, hope I get it, hope he's going to give it to me. No, we have his word that is now ours. It's a confidence, it's a knowing. That all automatically stimulates thankfulness and then with that thankfulness there comes this peace and that's what we've been looking at look over here oh where do I want to go 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 over to Philippians again we were just in 2nd Peter going over to Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 I'm reading from the the Christian standard Bible this time it says in verse 6, don't worry about anything. That's the will of God. It's his will for us not to be worrisome. How can I do that? But in everything that I'm worrying about, through prayer and petition, I'm giving it to the Lord, and I'm doing it with thankfulness because I believe that he heard me, and I now have, have what I asked for. And then in verse 7, now remember, in the midst of this thankfulness, in, this, in the midst of believing I got it, in, in, in the midst of knowing <clears throat> that I can cross that off the list, I don't have to stay awake at night wondering how I'm going to fix that. Verse 7 says that, and, now end is a conjunction word. It attaches verse 6 to verse 7. So these all flow together. You see, many people want the peace of God, but you can't have the peace of God until you do verse 6. 
All right. And the peace of God will do what? It'll surpass or overtake or supersede every thought. And I like what it says here, and guard your heart and your mind. Now, we are a three-part being. We are an eternal spirit. We have a mind. And we live in this body. Notice that when you and I allow the peace of God to rise up in our heart and begin washing our minds, that peace will overcome your thoughts. Now, you're still going to have the thoughts, but the thoughts aren't going to have an influence on you. They're not going to have control on you. Hallelujah. And that's really why we gave the Lord our cares. And it says at the same time that it's surpassing our thoughts, it's guarding, protecting that part of us that believes, our heart. Hallelujah. And our mind in Christ Jesus. And that's what we saw last week. That when we produce the fruit of peace by believing and trusting God and thinking his thoughts and considering what we believe and now have, this peace begins to be a, a byproduct or as the Bible calls it, fruit in our life. And in, in Colossians 3.15, it says that peace, let the peace of God rule our heart. Now, let me say this. A lot of our relationship with the Lord is, and how we interact with him, is based on a decision. There are times that we choose to do things in the midst of everything that's trying to hinder us from doing it. And so understand that we can choose to walk in peace. We can choose to walk in thankfulness. We can choose to walk in a trust and a believing in God that what he said is that which he has given me, and I choose to accept it and receive it and dwell on that and not anything that's contradicting that. Let's take it a step further. Worry is a choice. Now, I, I know there's a lot of people out there that, that have gone to the school that you can't control your thoughts. I, I'm... I'm happy to tell you that I disagree with that. Now, I can't choose what thoughts come to me. But I can choose the thoughts that I dwell on. I can choose the thoughts that I allow my ima imagination to see them. And this, thus, giving it the power to a certain degree over me. Once we begin to realize 
that you and I, we can control what we think on, what we dwell on, what we allow ourselves to imagine. We have that power. I said we have that power. Otherwise, why would Jesus say not to worry about anything? He's telling us that worry is a choice. And unfortunately, it's a choice that pushes him away and embraces that which we're worrying about. But if I look at what I'm dealing with in, in terms of what my mind is, is trying to figure out and it leads to worry and stress and anxiety, I know that I can take my attention and my focus off of that which is seen and that which is a part of this earthly realm and I can put my mind on the spiritual place that I live. I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm not a citizen of the world anymore. I've been delivered from this world and its system and I have been born into God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, and this place is no longer my home. My home is in heaven itself. In fact, Jesus is preparing it for me. So when I realize that I can begin controlling my thoughts, that I can dictate what I'm going to dwell on, what I'm going to consider, what I'm going to rehearse in my mind over and over again, when I make that decision, then I can get to a place of actually walking in peace and a thankfulness and a well-being all day long. Oh, glory to God. I like what Colossians 3.15. This is what I want to walk in, and the scriptures are telling me that I can. This spiritual reality, and when I adopt it, and when I walk in it, it'll push away all this junk that's trying to get me, to, to pull me in from this fallen realm. Now check this out. Ephesians 3.15 says, let, so that, remember, let is a key word. It, it depicts a, a, cho a choice, a decision. Let peace, the peace of Christ. Now you understand that, that Jesus is the living word and that the published and written word represents Christ. Many times he's called the word. We see, we see that in John chapter 1, verse 1. So when I say the peace of Christ, not only is it the peace that Jesus gives, but it's also the peace that the word of God gives. If I can replace worry and the thinking of that with the thinking of the word of God, that's going to displace that worry. Now remember, the thoughts are still going to be there and they're, and they're going to try and come back. The Bible is clear. The devil always tries to come back at a place where he's been kicked out of. And so when you and I kick him out of our thoughts, he's going to come back to see if we'll, you know, let him back in another time. So we can let the peace of Christ, and now look, the Amplified describes what this peace of Christ, this peace of the Word of God is, is the inner calm. 
Ooh. You know, I've heard that in a hurricane, as that the, the wind and that storm is circling around, almost like a top, that in the very center of that hurricane, they call the eye of the storm, the eye of the hurricane. And they say that in that eye, in the midst of all the turbulence and all the chaos that's spinning around, there's a calm. <laughs> that's where I want to be. I don't want to be out where all the debris is and where the over 100 mile an hour winds are blowing and the noise and, and, and all that, that goes with it and us trying to stand up in that. No, I want to be in the eye. And that's where peace brings us, the peace of God. It calls it an, an inner calm. You see, storms of life are going to come. Because we're living in a fallen world where the, the devil has access to us. And he's going to try and make the going tough. But you know, in the midst of what he's trying to do against us, we can appropriate the, the blessing of God by faith as we give him our cares and our worries. And we can just sit in, the, in, in a calm. As this storm will have to come to a place of peace to agree with the calm we have in our heart. Hallelujah. So this peace of Christ, this peace that we draw from the word of God, as we allow those thoughts to be part of our thinking, we have an inner calm of one who walks daily with him or daily with the word. of. We can have this every day. Glory to God. We can allow this controlling factor in our heart deciding and settling questions that arise. A lot of times worry and fear are just question, unanswered questions. Think about it. How am I going to pay that bill? That's an unanswered question. That's what worry is. But when you give God that problem, he's going to figure it out. And if we have a part in that process, he'll show us. And then together, we walk it out. And we can have peace in the storm. Here's a, another translation of Colossians 3.15. Let the peace, soul or a mind peace that comes from Christ and his rule over us and act as an umpire continually in our hearts. Can you, can you see how peace can be an umpire? When the negative thought comes, the umpire says, nope. And the, the word, the peace that comes from the word of God and trusting God by faith comes, and the umpire says, yeah, I'll take that. Man, glory to God. So this peace will act as an umpire continually in our hearts deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in our mind you see when we allow peace to rule 
we have the final say on every matter. We don't have to let the hurricane blow us wherever it wants us to blow us. No, we're in a place of stability. We're in a place of peace. We're in a place of authority now. Hallelujah. As we let peace rule in our heart. And we can choose to allow peace to have the final say in our life. Man, this is good stuff. You see, once we give our worries and cares to the Lord, we make the decision that that situation is resolved. We can take that rubber stamp and we can say, done. Yeah, but in the sense realm, it's still there. So what? God's on it. God's got it. I gave it to him according to the word in prayer. He's got it. I'm not going to sweat it. He's working it out for me. And, he, and that has to be a decision. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Finally, in Philippians 4, 7, when we get to that place of decision that God's got it, it's done, it's over, I trust in him, I allow peace to rule in my heart, I'm very thankful that that need's met, and I maintain that. And you understand that the questions are going to keep coming, but you can't dwell on them. You ignore them. You ignore them. And what are you focusing on? What he's promised. What's now yours. Man, it's good stuff. Then the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, I desire to have this. I believe you do as well. And I want you to tell, I just want you to know that we can walk in this every day. We wake up with the decision that today I choose not to worry. And if something comes that I haven't given to the Lord yet, well, then I'm just going to go over here, find my promise, that which Christ did for me 2,000 years ago, because he's given me all things <clears throat> that pertain to life and godliness. It's already mine. I'm just going to have to receive it. I find the scripture. I lift it up to him. I claim it by giving him my cares and my worries, and I receive the promise. And then I don't worry about that anymore. And I do it as the decision. So we can wake up every morning and make that choice. And of course, we're going to have to maintain it all day long. Be mindful of what we're thinking about. Now, at first, this is going to be a challenge. Because some of us have been doing this for decades. And have got quite proficient at it. It'll take time to, to pull ourselves out of that routine. And, and that reflex of always just going to that realm of worry and fear and recognizing how detrimental it is to us and then by faith, by making a decision, maintain it throughout the day and we'll get to the place where it'll just become automatic. In the same way that it's automatic to worry, we can get to the other side and it's automatic for us to trust God and to let, allow his peace to rule in our heart. We can do it. But it has to be done on purpose. It has to be done as an act of our will in terms of making the decision to do it and then just maintaining it. 
Now remember, if, if you've got a, a car that's, you know, standing still, and, you know, it's in neutral and the brake's off, you can, if you're on a level slope, you can push that car to get it going. Here's this two-ton two vehicle. You can begin pushing it, and at first it takes a great amount of effort to get it to start rolling. But, you know, once you get it rolling, you can maintain it with a lot less energy than it did to get it to start to roll. And that's how it is with this. At first, it's going to be, it's going to take a lot of effort. But once you and I get a hang of it, and then we begin to taste the fruit of peace, and the fruit of always being in an attitude of thankfulness, man, that's when the birds sound chirpier, and the, and the sky looks bluer. And everything that you look at has a, now a whole different perspective. And people might not... Uh, people might like to hang out with you more. Why? Because you're, a, you're a, a, a half cup full guy instead of a half empty cup guy. Everybody is drawn to someone who is positive, that has confidence, that has trust in the living God. It draws people like a magnet. Whew, glory to God. Well, that's who you are. Because you've got God in you. You can't get any more positive than that. So let's go ahead and just thank him for what he's showing us. And let's make that decision today. Hey, I'm going to get free from worry. And I'm going to maintain it. I'm going to be that guy that's always smiling. I'm going to be that guy that always has something good to say. I'm going to be that guy that encourages. I want to be that guy too. Let's do it. Father, I thank you. That 2,000 years ago, you already anticipated everything that we would need today in 2021. For that matter, for our entire life. And so you put on Jesus every negative thing that we would face that, that is not a part of your plan for us. You put it on Jesus, and he died in our place, and he spent that time in hell paying the price that we owed. And then through resurrection, when you raised Jesus from the dead, we were made free. And you made available to us all that we would need spiritually, all that we would need mentally, all that we would need socially, all that we would need in our body, all that we would need of this world in terms of natural things so that we can walk through this life hand in hand with you above the fray and walk in a place of a heavenly supply while we're here on earth. I thank you that each one of us, no matter what we face, we can go to Scripture, we can say, oh yeah, back then, 2,000 years ago, the Lord knew I would need this, so he carried it away so we could simply just receive that need met through prayer. Lord, help us to see that worry and fear and anxiety and stress is of the enemy. Help us to see that it's a detriment and that we have victory over it. Stir us up. Give us a boldness just to decide 
I'm going to get free from worry. Even though our mind is saying, no, you can't, no, you can't, no, you can't. But we're not a mind. We're an eternal spirit. And we've got God's faith. And we've got God's promises. And we've got the Holy Spirit living in us. And we can do all things through Christ because he's strengthening us. We choose to put worry under our feet. No longer allow it to influence us, even control us. We choose to take our thoughts. We, we decide to take them captive and decide what we're going to dwell on, what we're going to think about, what we're going to imagine. And we're going to imagine blessings. We're going to imagine God's goodness. We're, we're imagining peace in the midst of the storm. And we thank you, Lord, with your help and with the help of the Holy Spirit that's in us and through the word of God and the faith that you've given us, Lord, we have the victory over worry. And we choose not to be worrisome. We choose to be reliant and trustful of you. To trust you in all things, regardless of how it may look. <laughs> that we can be in the midst of the fire and come out and not even smell like smoke. Glory to God. Just like those Hebrew children, Father. So we thank you. We thank you that we have the peace of God that passes all understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise the Lord. I'm glad that you were here this morning to be with us. Uh, we'll see you next time. Now remember, you are blessed. I said, you are blessed. You are blessed of the Lord. Now go somewhere and be a blessing. Amen. We'll see you.